If today is your first time at Reveal, I just want to say welcome in, welcome home. You found your family. I want to welcome you in uh, just with open arms. Um, for those of you who may not know, we have been diving into our series over the last six weeks titled No Cap, Predecide Better Decisions for a Better Life. Now, we've been discussing and exploring what it looks like to make decisions ahead of time instead of in the moment in six different areas of our lives. We said that we are predeciding that I am ready, I am consistent, I am devoted, faithful, generous, and last week we finished out our series with our final I am statement that I am a finisher. Now, Israel did an incredible job finishing out that series last week, so let's give him a big round of applause for that message. Now, I don't know about you guys, but personally, this series has stirred something in me. It's caused me to move and to reflect on how I am going to intentionally spend the next three months of this year and how I'm going to set myself up for success as we enter into 2023. Now, when we began this series, I prayed that God would begin to stir action within each and every one of us. And I prayed and I, I continue to pray that the messages that you've heard continue to change you, that our words will not just fall stagnantly onto dry soil, but instead will plant seeds that will shape the harvest that will influence future generations to come. Our attendance of Wednesday night services is evidence to me that we are acting on his callings. We are watering seeds that have been planted. And can I just say for just one second how incredibly proud I am of you, church. Your willingness to dig deeper, to come back, to seek the word week after week, to get out of these rows and to get into circles of vulnerability. I know for some of you it took guts, it took moving your schedule around, it took bribing a friend to come with you so it was less scary. And for my fellow introverts, sometimes it takes a lot of courage to get up and to put yourself out there. But I want to say that I am encouraged by your commitment, encouraged by your boldness to lead and your willingness to sacrifice your time. It's moments like Wednesdays when I look around and see all of us seated at tables, eating and talking together, that makes me proud to call this my home. Amen? Amen. Now, I know you may be wondering, Abby, we finished the series, I Am a Finisher. What is next? What do the next two weeks have in store? What more could you possibly be asking from us? And most importantly, when the heck is Marty coming back? Now, these are all fair and valid questions, and I will not be answering all of them. But what I will tell you is that today I'm introducing to you our transitional series that will carry us throughout the next two weeks. Today, I bring to you No Cap Overflow. I was going to make a joke about how there's no cap on the top, so it's overflowing. See, I didn't think it would land. I'll leave it out next service. <laughs> I believe within the past six weeks, God has called us to show up, and we have. We've filled in the blanks. We've considered and reflected and added yet another church service to our weekly schedule. But I ask you the question this morning, where are you planning on going from here? What will you do for God and his kingdom with your newfound readiness, consistency, and devotion. Today, I hope to bring clarity and an answer to that question. And today, I introduce to you all another I am statement, one that stand on, stands on its own and is a product from all of the rest. Today, I bring you the statement, I am a contributor. I'm really excited to share what I feel God has placed on my heart for all this morning. Are we ready to dive in? Yeah. All right. So when I was told I was going to be speaking on the topic of contributing, of serving, right, they set me up great this morning, 
I began to reflect on messages that I've heard in the past regarding this topic. Now, none of them were here, but a lot of the time when the speakers or, I'm so sorry, when the speaker speaks on serving, they typically dial in on being a contributing member of the body of Christ. Topics such as working within the church, volunteering opportunities, and mission trips are typically heavily pushed. I've attended services where sign-up sheets are practically shoved down the audience's throats, people are guilted and pushed to act without ever really getting to the heart that's behind the action. Now, I will say that messages on service are drastically important because the harvest is plenty, the opportunities are out there, but the laborers truly are few. And when we say that 80% of the work done in the church is done by 20% of the people, there is no exaggeration. The body of Christ desperately needs people who are willing to get up and to sacrifice. Although, my greatest fear is that I use this opportunity to inspire you all to simply sign up for something. I push a crowd, I push a congregation to serve without ever truly reminding them of their identity of being saved first. I believe, and I know that this is a bold statement, but when we have been saved, and I'm talking identity transformed and sanctification and progress, seeking after the heart of Jesus, that service just pours out of us. And that's why I titled today's message, Saved to Serve. I don't have to convince or persuade you, no guilt trips or promise of gift cards or lunch afterwards, because I'm confident that if I can remind you of your identity, to call you to remember the who behind the why, that action will stir within each of us, and the needs of our community will be met by each and every one of us sitting in this room this morning. I wanted to begin this message by telling you that it's not about you. And I know this statement feels obvious, although when I think about what, or more so who, gets in my way of my potential, my name, time and time again, makes its way to the top of the list. Personally, this is how I see things. The table, my life has been prepared before me, and God brings forth to the table opportunities to serve, to love, to witness, to impact my community, to set an example, to grow closer to him, and I bring forth to the table both insecurities and excuses. Does that sound familiar to anybody or is it just me? Let's begin with insecurity. I wanna start here first because if we can tackle this mindset, y'all will actually be able to hear the rest of my message. So there are two patterns of insecurity that I've seen and heard countless times throughout ministry. The first one goes something like this, we are called to act, given a calling, stepping into a purpose to discover God's calling over our lives. And within that, our first response is, there's someone better. We think there's someone more equipped, more experienced. I'm not good enough, not pure enough. I make too many mistakes. I don't have the education, personality, the charisma, the talent. I'm going to burst your bubble from the get-go. God does not care. Hear me on this. God cares about you, but God does not care about the inadequacy that you may feel. Moses, Abraham, Samson, Peter, and countless others, God used each of them in capacities that were unfamiliar, unexpected, and in places and positions that they were untrained for. In fact, God willingly chooses and then uses imperfect people to fulfill his mission. 
And a great example of this is the story of Moses receiving his calling in the book of Exodus. Now in chapter 3, we see that God appears to Moses as a burning bush and lays out the mission. Moses was called to lead God's people out of Egypt. Now throughout chapter 3, we see conversation occurring between Moses and God. Moses hears the assignment and then immediately protests against the Lord, asking, but who am I to appear in front of Pharaoh? Yet God still reassures him by reminding Moses that I will be with you. God answered Moses' anxious questions by reminding him of the God whom he served. He said, all you have to tell them is the great I am sent you. And as we continue throughout chapter 4, we see Moses continuing to protest. And at this point, God, in my eyes, attempts to boost his confidence and brings light to the abilities that God has equipped him with. God's like, look at all these cool miracles that I'll allow you to be able to perform. But it still wasn't enough to convince Moses. We're going to start reading in Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 17. Verse 10 tells us that Moses pleaded with God. It says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I'm not very good with my words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Can you imagine what would have happened if the story stopped here? Moses told God, I'm not, not the most articulate, Lord. I'm, I'm unequipped. And God said, oh, I'm sorry, you're right. Let's just not save the Israelites. No, if we continue to read, we see that God again reminds Moses of his identity, who he was created by, but more importantly, who was going with him. And I don't know about y'all, but this sounds so familiar to me. God gives me a calling, and my first response is to tell him all that I am. While God is always bringing the focus back to all that he is, In verses 11 and 12, then the Lord asks Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But still, Moses pleads that God needed to choose someone else. But Moses then again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. That random guy over there, he'll work. (laughs) Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right. He said, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levi? I know he speaks well. And look, I already called him. He's on his way to meet you now. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak and instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say, and take your shepherd's staff with you, and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. Now we see that God ends up using Moses' brother Aaron uh, to speak on his behalf. I think it's almost comical to read through these verses and the interaction, because we can almost see God becoming frustrated with this concept of having to play a game of telephone, (laughs) But if we continue the story throughout the book of Exodus, we know that Aaron was indispensable to Moses. From speaking in front of Pharaoh, the 10 plagues, leading the Israelites out of Egypt, parting the Red Sea, Aaron was by his side for all of it. One of the most beautiful pictures painted of this is in Exodus chapter 17. People of Israel find themselves in the battle with the Amalekites. And Moses knew that the only way that they could win in battle is if he climbed to the top of the mountain and extended his hands to the Lord. 
When his arms became tired and he was no longer able to hold them up, the Israelites would lose their advantage. Although as long as his arms were extended, the Israelites would remain victorious. Now two men made their way up to the mountain to help hold up Moses' arms when he became tired. And who was one of those men? Aaron. God provided a miraculous victory for his people through Moses with the help of Aaron and another man named Hur. After reviewing that text, I couldn't help but be reminded that God's children are equipped. And even within our insecurities and our protests against God, that he is merciful and he gives us everything that we need to be successful. God didn't care that Moses felt inadequate. God cared about the calling that he had assigned for him and gave him all that he needed to complete the mission. I was reminded that he uses everything to reflect his glory, and we know this. In fact, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, he said, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Paul says, now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. His strength made perfect in weakness. God's provision, his plan for his chosen people in battle was made perfect within the weakness of Moses. If you feel weak and you feel inadequate and unequipped and like a screw-up, me too, welcome to Reveal. (laughs) Pastor Daniel told me that God loves to use people who feel unequipped and unworthy because we will always point the glory back to him. I know that nothing I ever do or say is by my own strength, never my own words or ideas or talent. It without a doubt is all God working through me. I think we've heard statements countless times of how we're knit together in our mother's womb and we're perfectly designed and called according to a purpose and I don't want those statements to become lackluster, friends. We truly understand those statements. They show that God perfected and designed each one of us for something that's specific. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in us for advan- in advance for us to do. Good things he has prepared in advance for us to do. That means that the unique purpose of each of our lives has already been set before us. And thank God that it's unique because I'm only able to impact and reach so many people. I can tell you right now that there is someone in this very room, maybe someone in your row right now who is waiting for you to walk in boldness because you are the person who will share your story, your experience, how you reflect it all back to Jesus, and that will be the witness that just clicks for that person. We let our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups slow us down and stop us because we're waiting to feel perfect and feel equipped when God just calls us to move in confidence that comes from our faith. And when I tell you guys that your life is more than just a sum of bad experiences, a sum of childhood 
trauma or mental illness or mistakes, that life is so much more than addiction and bills to pay and people to impress and deadlines to meet. I mean it because each and every one of those things is valid and we are working through it together. But I will stand here as living proof that when you have a reason to push through and to dig deep and to commit to something that is outside of yourself and outside of your circumstances that impacts more than just you, life and healing, becoming committed and devoted and a finisher, it becomes an entirely different journey. Because here's the deal. I showed up despite my shortcomings and despite my insecurities and despite how inadequate I may have felt. And in the moment, I felt like I wasn't enough and I felt like it wasn't worth it. But to that one person, all they needed from me was to show up, to be here, and to say, my circumstances will glorify you, Lord. It doesn't matter how I feel. There are people waiting for you to start that Bible study, that ministry, to walk in creative pathways, to speak into others' lives, to release your writing, to have meaningful conversations with a first-time guest, to pray for people in the parking lot. They're waiting for you. And I'm telling you right now that you are equipped for the exact calling that God has over your life. And why is that? Because it's not about you. God doesn't care what insecurities you bring to the table. He doesn't care if you feel ready or if you're still dealing with and processing your past, if you're still struggling, if you're imperfect, because it's not about you and it never has been and it never will be. I choose to be a part of all that God has in store for my life because he is all that I am not. And that is enough for me. Now, the second root of insecurity looks a little bit different from the first. Maybe you face the opposite side of the coin. You're arguing with God because the ministry that you had planned, the mission that you had planned, the small group you wanted to start, the following, the success, the Instagram influence, it's just not coming the way that you expected it to. You're looking at me like, Abby, I've tried to walk in boldness, and it just didn't work out. God must have someone better, and this whole service thing, it's just not for me. But let me tell you, in the same way that God graces us with the confidence to walk boldly in what we see as big, he graces us the same confidence to be content and to walk boldly in what we see as the minuscule, the little things, the unseen, hidden areas, the background work. We know in Luke chapter 16, it says that if you can be trusted with the little things, you'll be trusted with much. We want to be trusted with the global ministry when God says, I can't even trust you with the people that I've surrounded you with. We want to be trusted with influence when we can't even show up and be committed and reliable in serving for an hour twice a month. My point is that wherever God has placed you in this time in your life, you are more than equipped to make a difference and to inflict change. Because I tell you, from the parking lot team to the pulpit, God sees it all the same if the heart is aligned with his. I washed dishes and made coffee last Sunday with the same heart that I'm speaking with this Sunday because I know that God sees it all the same because it's all for him. A lot of people want the stage without realizing that they have the exact same potential to inflict change in their home. 
at their school in their small group than I do from up here, if not more so. Wherever you find yourself, friends, he expects us to walk faithfully in confidence, serving in the space and the season and the position that he has placed you in. Insecurity on either end isn't present when we're walking faithfully because we know it really isn't about us anyways. Now my second point, service is not an obligation, it is an opportunity. So now that we've tackled the insecurity of service, both in the big and the small, I wanted to bring up excuses. Now for myself personally, I use excuses for so long, and they're big ones, they're valid. I work multiple jobs, I go to school, taking care of my family. The ones I hear a lot, I don't have the time, the money, the resources, I have a lot on my plate. If only you knew what was going on at home. I'm just introverted, I'm not a people person, I just don't have the energy to pour into people. See, what's funny is the last time I checked, God didn't call me or you to only serve within the four walls of the church. He said, let your life be a living witness to my glory, Abby. Meaning every excuse that I come up with as to why I don't have the time to serve God, I have to work, I have to go to school, I have to write my thesis and pay my bills, He comes back and says, did I not call you to serve there too? You see, God didn't call me to flip a switch and turn on my servant's heart on Sunday mornings and then flip it off on Monday when I have to go to work. No, any and every aspect of our lives is a gift that is designed to give back to him. We've been given resources breath in our lungs and bodies that move and coworkers to talk to, family and friends and neighbors. And we're supposed to multiply our opportunities, but we've buried them. We limit our potential to serve him and to be used by him when our service never makes it out of the church. Maybe your schedule doesn't allow for you to make it to volunteer events or to spend the extra hours here on a Sunday. I hear you, and I understand, but you see, when you realize that your life is not your own, you begin to realize that our lives are living sacrifices, living witnesses to his love for us, living examples of an inward transformation. When we know that, we're looking for opportunities to place others before ourselves, and looking for opportunities to serve him within the mundane of the day today. If I were to be completely transparent with you this morning, I would much rather you experience a heart change this morning, or maybe you're reminded of what God has done for you and inspired to take your heart outside of the four walls of the church. Because let me tell you, you may show up to a food drive on a Saturday morning, but if none of your friends or your boyfriend or your girlfriends see your relationship with God on Saturday night, then I would ask you, where is your heart truly lying? Your coworkers need it, and your classmates need it, and your family, and your friends, and your neighbors, they need it. They need to see the character and the love of Jesus in you. Along with insecurities, and excuses, I think another one of the biggest stopping blocks when it comes to embodying the heart of a servant is just our misunderstanding of the reason behind it. 
I want to tell you this morning that serving at your home church, within your community, going the extra mile for others, it's not just one more thing to add to an already hectic, impact, good person to-do list. It's not necessary to earn God's love. It should never be approval-driven. Service and actions were never a means to get closer to God, but rather a byproduct of our closeness to God, an outpouring because of our faith. James chapter 2 talks about faith without works being dead, and I think so often we misconstrue this text in our minds. We think more works equals a stronger faith, a stronger relationship with God, when in reality, James is talking about our actions authenticating our faith, our actions making our faith complete. My life and what I choose to do or to not do, outpouring my time and my love, my resources, is a result of my relationship with God. It's not a way to earn my relationship with God. You see, because Jesus died on the cross for you before you ever did anything for him. He didn't start loving you because you showed up. He already chose you, and he already loves you. And this leads me to my third point. Our ultimate calling is to reflect Christ. This is easily my heaviest point for this morning, but in my eyes, it's the most important. I feel like I've warmed you guys up okay. We've tackled concept of insecurity and excuses, the mindset of having to serve to earn our approval or to earn our love. I've given you all a little bit of a pep talk. But this portion of my sermon is my reality check. It's my call to action, and it's my expectation that I'm setting for each one of us to take this in and to begin to move with intention at the beginning of this message, I told you that if I could just remind you of your identity, that I was confident that service would just pour out of each and every one of us without a second thought, with no guilt trips or persuasion from me. So naturally with that, I was led to have us examine the example of Jesus, specifically to examine the way that Jesus demonstrated three things during his mission here on earth with us to examine his position, his proximity, and his purpose. We're going to begin with position. Let's begin with scripture. It's always the best place to start. In John chapter 13, verses 12 through 17, that's where we're going to be reading. For context, this was Jesus' last Passover meal, his last meal with his disciples, his last few hours on earth. And where do we see Jesus? King of kings, Lord of lords, we see Jesus on his knees washing the feet of his disciples. Jesus used his last hours before he was betrayed and before the crucifixion process begun to serve and to teach about serving, but we think it's unimportant and that someone else will step up and fill the need for us. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, if we examine the life of Jesus, we see that his position remained consistent. He fulfilled his purpose, the will of God, from the most humble and sacrificial spaces. He never graduated from servanthood, never became too well-known or high up to do the selfless, unseen, and dirty work. From the moment that the Son of God was born into a manger up until his death upon the cross, his position was the same. I don't know about you guys, but that just hits that the God that we serve is not impersonal. He isn't distant from us. He isn't afraid of our dirt or our humanity. But instead, it's the very opposite. The creator of the universe loves his creation enough to put himself through and to experience the lows of the lows with us. And if my king embodied the position of servant his entire time here on earth, then I will too. He sets the example for us. Our second area is his proximity. The proximity that Jesus maintained with God. Now there are countless examples within the New Testament of Jesus going into the wilderness to pray. He would withdraw from the crowds to spend time alone with the Lord to call upon his Father. Have you guys ever heard the phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup? I'll tell you with confidence that it is true. <laughs> I have weeks where I miss my Bible time with God, or the weeks that I do. Not, it doesn't happen a lot, I promise. <laughs> I come in here a heck of a lot less equipped and energized to pour into the people that I'm surrounded with because I just have nothing to pour from. In the same way that I need time alone with the Father, the Son of God, one-third of the Holy Trinity took time out of his days and nights to spend time alone with God, and yet we think we're exempt from that. You see, sometimes we try to walk this fine line of just enough Jesus. I have just enough Jesus in my life to feel like I'm a good person, just enough Jesus to keep the devil away, <laughs> just enough Jesus. I'm talking about happy hour Friday night, but I show up to volunteer on Saturday. I'm late and I'm hungover, but at least I made it to church. Just enough, Jesus. You have just enough Jesus to get yourself into heaven, but never enough Jesus to get anybody else there. Never enough Jesus to fully understand the seriousness of what he has called you to when we are in close proximity with Jesus, the overflow increases. Our capacity increases, increases. Jesus just flows out of us without effort. I am the vine and you are the branches and apart from me you can do nothing. We'll be unable to accomplish all that God has for us without maintaining close proximity with him. Because when we get to heaven, I don't want to hear, hey, you did a lot for Reveal. You were there every Sunday. You served. But depart from me. But I didn't know you. No, I, I want to get to heaven. I want God to be like, that's the homie right there. That is my servant. Well done. 
But that begins with knowing him first. We have to understand what our calling is. And although the exact space, it may look different for each of us, we are all called in the same way to be a breathing reflection of the characteristics of Jesus. Each of the I am statements that we've learned over the past six weeks, Jesus lived out. He is the great I am. How will we ever be able to reflect our Savior if we never spend any time with him? I'm going to call Michelle up if you could on keys. My last point for today, we're going to talk about Jesus' purpose. Now, when we look at Jesus' life, we see clear purpose. There was a who behind the why of what he did. And in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, it says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must first be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. And I can't think of all the stories that we know and not think that they all boil down to one purpose, to serve the unseen and the rejected and the broken and the forgotten, to leave the 99 for the one, ultimately to restore our relationship with our creator. He tore that curtain, making that relationship possible for us again, and I can't help but think of the heart that he did it all with. Because as he carried his cross up that hill, his motivation was you. He did it all for you, and he would have done it just for you, even if you were the only one and you still chose to reject him. I can't help but think of Jesus being beaten almost to the point of death before being forced to carry his own cross, and within that moment he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And within his final breaths, he was still advocating on our behalf, asking the Father to forgive on our behalf, and he sets the standard, and he sets the example and the expectation. We walk around acting as if our lives are our own, as if our lives and the freedom that we gained through Christ was not bought at a cost. We walk around and we make our own choices, we focus on ourselves, what we want from our lives complaining if we're asked to sacrifice even the smallest bit of what we want, as if the very breath in our lungs isn't a gift from God. We make time and we have money and effort from all that we want from life, but the second that it becomes what God has in store for us, all of a sudden we're too busy, we can't, we're caught up, we don't have the money or the time. You see, if Jesus is our example, we understand that Everything that he did was to reflect the Father and to project God's love for his people. For God so loved the world. I know you know that one. He gave up his son. He sent Jesus as a living, breathing, human example of God's love and the characteristics of God. 
everything that Jesus did was to glorify the Father, and that is our example to follow. We wonder why we have so many burnt out and bare minimum complacent Christians because they're trying to serve someone other than God, whether it's themselves or a pastor or a leader or a congregation, a relationship. They're trying to serve their way into a position. They're burnt out because they're desperately seeking validation from people. But we know that service is not self-glorifying, it is God glorifying. And if we're serving anything or anyone other than God, we're missing the point. John 17, verse 1. After saying all of these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. It continues, and in verse 4, Jesus says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Jesus brought glory to God. He fulfilled the mission, but I'll ask you this. Do you think Jesus got the appreciation and the applause and the glory that he deserved while he was being spit on and beat and forced to carry his own cross that he would later die on? No, he didn't, but his heart was to glorify God, was to serve his people, was to make the ultimate sacrifice so that we may be close to God. And when I tell you, when you understand what has been done for you and the heart of which it was done with, I feel it is impossible to not make this whole life thing about him. Which brings me to my last and final point. Our journey to completion, what we're seeking after, begins with the removal of ourselves. My goal was to remind us this morning that our purpose and our greatest mission in life is to glorify God in everything that we do. Our readiness, our commitment, our devotion, our generosity, faithfulness, all of it serves one purpose, to remain connected with Christ so that service and love, it just pours out of us the same way that it poured out of Him. To remember that our position is not glamorous, we need to follow the example of our Savior who got into it, into the grit for his people. Because the people that we're surrounded with need to see that. They need to see the character of Christ in us that goes far beyond our convenience and our comfort or some pristine image that we're trying to uphold. They need to see Jesus in us, Jesus who was present, who was involved, whose influence from the way that he served will impact generations to come. And all of that begins when we say, less of me, Lord, and more of you. There's no better time than now to make your life a living example of your savior by the way that you serve others. You are truly saved to serve. So uh, I hope that you guys join us next week. Sir Daniel. You guys would stand as we close. Give it up for Abby again. I just want to go ahead and if, uh, I just want to pray as we, as we head out here today. Um, There was a phrase, Lord, that, uh, that just hit me. 
as she spoke. And it always brings me back to the place of understanding the why. When she said that I don't want to just have enough Jesus to get myself to heaven, but never had enough Jesus to get anybody else there. Lord, and we all have loved ones that we know that don't know you. And Lord, many of us in here today have, have had friends and family that may have come or have seen people that came for the very first time and you gave me a, a visual as I, as I sat. You helped me to see that, that many of our friends and, and so many people that have come that were maybe not our loved ones even, but were the loved ones of others that were the the ones that others have been praying for their salvation. They've come and gone from our home, from our church, from this place. They've come and they've left. And Lord, not in a, a way of condemning, but Lord, those who, the 20% who does decide to say, I'm willing to play. I'm willing to help, I'm willing to be there, I'm, I'm willing to, anywhere you need me, I'll be there. But I think it's, it's not by our, our intention that we miss those that come and go. It's just because exactly like Abby talked about today that we need more people, we need more of our family on the field. We need to take better responsibility of every new person that comes through those doors but I know that it's grieved Pastor Marty's heart as well is just seeing people come and go and people come and go. And Lord, we know some people will come and this may not be the place for them, but for those that have chosen and said they've come through these doors, God, help us to be better at, at making sure that the one does matter. Lord, that the collaboration within the family to serve on, on, in the house on Sundays, to, to say wherever I need to be to make sure that, that every soul that comes through here, every answer to prayer that walks through those doors, that Lord, we would take full advantage of that. We would, we would maximize every person that comes through, that they would feel welcome, that they would feel seen, that they would feel loved. And when they miss that, that They'd made such a connection on the first time that someone would call them and say, hey, where have you been? We miss you. But I believe that it's as we begin to be more strategic in our service, as we begin to have more people that say, hey, listen, I'll, I'll give an hour a week. I'll give, my, I'll give an hour a week, once a month, twice a month, whatever it would be, that we would begin to relieve some of the, the just the burden that so many here carry the 20% that carries it week in and week out. Lord, that we would choose to partner aside of them and we don't know what it looks like. We don't know exactly where to go, but we would all choose to take a step. Father, I pray that you would begin to, to just stir in the heart of your people this morning. A desire to have your heart. You came to give, you came to serve. And the greatest way that we can reflect you is by serving your people. By being to others who you were to us, who you are to us. 
And so this morning, Lord, I, I just pray that that would become a burden of the, the heart of our church, that we would say, God, I'm willing. Use me wherever you need to use me. I don't care if it's cleaning or, or, or if it's leading a ministry or whatever it would be, Lord, but I, I pray that we would come with the heart of a servant to say, no job is beneath me. I just want to be a part of the team. I just want to be a part of something bigger. And Lord, we know that on the other side of service, we think that others get the greatest benefit out of it, but ultimately it's us. There is something in us that, that doesn't maximize the capacity of our calling until we're walking in service to others with no intention, with no condition, with selfless motives. There is something that is done in our souls that reflects that of our Savior. So Lord, in this week to come, as I have an opportunity to kind of bring it all together next week, I pray that you would just begin to stir this word in your church, Lord. Stir this word within us that those that are serving now would have others that would eventually come, come beside them. And God, we're going to have that opportunity next week to bring it all together. Lord, I said last week that this was a pivot in our church. I believe that this two-week transition is a pivot is a pivot in trajectory for the rest of the year. Lord, thank you again for the word this morning. Thank you for the confidence and the courage of this young lady to come and deliver just, just such a, a needed word in this time. And I pray that we would be all encouraged, that we would all be encouraged, encouraged by what's been done here this morning. And Lord, even for this week to come, that you would, you've given me vision on where we're going to land as we hand the baton back to Marty. But Lord, that we would, we would maximize that last week next week. And I pray that if anybody here today calls, reveal their church, calls at their home, that they would be intentional and pre-decide to be here next week. As Abby set up the assignment, and next week, Lord, I'll close this whole thing out with the action. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One thing on the way out, you guys, um, listen, uh, don't, make, don't miss next week. She set it up. I'm going to close it down. But we did forget to pass the buckets this morning. So, no, I hate to make it, but on the way out, there is a bucket there. So if you guys had... Um, offerings or, or the envelopes or anything you want to do, leave it on the way out. There's one right by the door. I just want to let you know that. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.